2: Wrigley's the only stadium I haven't pitched in my career, which is crazy. I you know, I've missed it. I think I think I was actually graduating from college one year where I missed it when I was back at Duke. And then, yeah, just when overlap. But it, that's why it's crazy that I ended up here and the atmosphere is unmatched. I don't think I think you could look at that. I think everybody knows that from the league. I think even if you're not a Cubs fan, I think even if you don't watch baseball, you know that the Cubs franchise, you know, how rowdy and how unbelievable the energy that they bring every day. So that's me as a person. So I can't wait. I'm telling you, I cannot wait to walk out on that field for my first start.
4: Little man that packs a big punch. Throws the ball. Marcus Stroman addressing the media out there in Cubs spring training nice to be able to hear from some of these new acquisitions on both sides of town as they sort of introduce themselves to the fan base and get into to do so in person at spring training. Marcus Stroman certainly, so far, seems like a, a likable individual. And I think the, the Cubs find themselves in an interesting space where they made that acquisition before the lockout, and now at least you have that. You, you do have a little bit of additional punch as a starting pitcher. Where do they go from here, though? What does it mean? Uh, let's take a Let's take a trip over to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book, and talk to our guy Evan Altman. He's on Twitter at D Evan Altman. He is of Real Cubs Insider. I haven't talked to you in a minute, Evan. And now the baseball season is finally upon us. Got to have a few of these discussions getting going, man. How you feeling?
5: I'm I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm uh, I'm actually I know baseball's going on right now. We got NCAA tournament, and uh, you know I, I know your good friend. Jordan Bohannon, I think he was – you guys were roommates, right? Your freshman year <laughs> at Iowa, I think. Yeah, uh, he's been around
4: the block a little bit there But, yeah, I'm not not
5: going to <laughs> uh, yeah, throw a little jab in there. Maybe – I don't know if that means he's really a lot older or you're just a lot younger. But either way, uh, I'm I'm excited for, for sports. And we got – baseball is back, right? We're going to get yeah. games starting on Thursday. Uh, it, it feels – it almost feels like a lockout never happened in a way.
6: You, you can convince
5: yourself of that if you need to.
4: <laughs> well, that that's the right mental space to be in about it, to to feel the the power of positivity with baseball being here. And the Cubs, I, I don't completely think I understand yet where the Cubs feel like they're at. It it feels more like a rebuild while at the same time you go out there and, and get a talented pitcher like Marcus Stroman and pay him for for four years. So, I mean, it's not like they're just completely – not trying to acquire any talent at all. And the discussions out there about other talent they may acquire. So, I mean, are the Cubs viewing this as, as a rebuild at the moment?
5: You know, it, it, they've said they're not. And and certainly I think everyone who, whether you're following the team as a fan or, or whether, you know, you just are, are covering them and, and you would like to have something to write about or something to report on. I think we'd all like for them to not be, Uh, participating in a rebuild, especially when you look around the NL Central and you see that the Reds are just trading off anybody that's not nailed down. Um, You know, the Pirates certainly don't have uh, a lot of talent up there yet. I know they've got a lot of young guys coming up, but, uh, you know, outside of their pitching staff, the the Brewers aren't really scary. The the Cardinals aren't either. You you know, it it seems like one of those where just a couple of moves doesn't even have to be a, a $300 million deal for Carlos Correa. You know, you could you could add some pieces here and there, and address some needs, and really be a competitive team. And, and I think, you know, I know a lot of people looked at the the deals they made last year to uh, to jettison all these these core players, these fan favorites. Um, and while you know, again, we could look at that a couple of different ways. They did acquire a lot of talent in return, and they've also got a significantly lower payroll than we've ever seen over the last. You know 15 20 years from them so or probably going back further relatively speaking and so they've got plenty of room to add and and still really find those pieces that make sense I don't think a rebuild works for them it, it really shouldn't if you look at they I mean they need to fill that place up they need to sell tickets they need to get people watching marquee and you don't do that with a rebuilding team for the second time in 10 years so they really, really have a have they have the wherewithal and they have the need to make something happen.
4: And that's the thing. The the finances would certainly indicate that, that they can act like a, a a a big city club. They can act like a club with deep pockets because we have seen them behave for you know, all of recent vintage here, like a club with deep pockets. And so with that in mind, I mean, what, what realities are there for Carlos Correa, where apparently Houston's looking to make him a a new offer here, but the the Cubs have been one of these squads reported uh, of being in the running for him. Do you find that to be a a legitimate possibility?
5: You know, I I do think it's legitimate, um, you because there, there are certain players, right. For whom it makes sense. Uh, to go big and I, and I think there are some guys like that where it, it, you know people look at that as well but he would block uh, one of the shortstops is coming up but realistically and the and the Cubs do have several very very talented young players coming up through the system but you don't shy away from signing a potential superstar because you might have a guy who's ready in two or three years hmm. right you you need to make that move now because one way or the other Somebody could always move, right? Uh, we look at this. Let's look at Manny Machado, you know, and his courtship a, a few years ago. Well, guess what? He moved over to third base because the Padres have another, well, they had until he uh, broke his wrist, but have a superstar at shortstop who can take over there. So if things need to change, they can. But if you can lock down somebody who you think can help you be competitive for the next five to seven to 10 years, you go and you make that move, and then you work everything else out around it. Right, you don't just sit back and say, "Well, you know, maybe in three or four years when all of our prospects are ready." Well, three or four years may never come. Right, the, they they may not mature the way that you expect them to. They're called prospects for a reason, and uh, one of the things that the Cubs kind of failed to do that last time around, they had a bunch of great hitters that came up really quickly or, or very good position player prospects, right, who all matured very quickly through the system mm-hmm. and they came up, but. They were never able to balance that out with the pitching uh they they weren't able to develop players who were drafted beyond the first round right who had a little bit of a longer tail on their development who could come up and kind of fill in those spots and so if you can lock in a superstar you know a couple of guys who you know for the next five years this guy's going to be in the heart of our order then you can build those pieces around it a lot more easily rather than trying to hope you know it all comes together at once so I you know I think it's a legitimate thing, especially if if uh, Correa is open to maybe taking a shorter deal than the ten or twelve years that everything seemed to be indicating early on.
4: Evan Altman, my guest here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy to score. He is of Cubs insider, and you can find him on Twitter at d Evan Altman. And uh, there was some additional news, at least reports there about other possible uh, acquisitions the Cubs could make. Say a Suzuki who was. At, at least briefly reported as having signed with San Diego. Now apparently that's not completely accurate. I mean, is this a, a player who the Cubs are legitimately in the running for?
5: Yeah, uh, and, and they've they've been early on with him. And, and you know, uh, as we mentioned the lockout earlier, right? He was he's part of the the posting system uh, with the with the Japanese players, and so his his posting they have a thirty day window there. Well, that window was uh, was put on pause, I guess, uh, for the duration of the lockout, but. Uh, he had had a lot of interviews with clubs and, and done a lot of research prior to that. And he, and he had talked about it. So I, I think, you know, we generally see uh, a lot of these coastal teams, particularly on the West coast that uh, that are, are generally looked at as favorites. You know, the Red Sox were another one that, you know, here are the Cubs. Uh, obviously in, in middle America, it's a little bit of a different deal, but I think there's a couple of interesting things there. And uh, he spoke about really wanting to join a team, uh, and for the culture of the city, uh, he's he's a big food guy, too. So, I mean, it's really difficult. I know a lot of us are pretty biased in this regard. But if you're looking for a food city, it's really hard to beat Chicago when you talk about the various international flavors and just everything that's even local cuisine. Um, and then, again, if anybody's been to Chicago in the summer, you know, you th- again, we all talk about the coasts but uh, this isn't a guy who's got to live there year round. So Chicago during the baseball season, other than maybe a couple weeks early and late, that's a pretty darn nice place to, uh, to settle in for a while. So I-, I think that stuff is all there, but he would be such a great fit for them outside of being a right-handed hitter. They really need some lefty power, uh, but nice contact bat, great glove, speed, uh, you know, potential kind of five tool type of guy, maybe not a ton of power, but enough to to really make a little bit of noise and, the Cubs right now don't have a lot of outfield depth, and what they do have is primarily left-handed hitting anyway. And so getting a righty to balance that would actually help out from a platoon sense. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a guy they're, they're pushing hard. Tom Ricketts was part of the the pitch they made to him on Monday night. So it's uh, it's it's definitely legitimate. I think he's a guy they prioritized, and uh, I think he'd be a great fit for them.
4: A little lefty power, huh? Yeah. Um... You know, I'm aware of a a lefty bat that's out there. It's been one of the hotter commodities in free agency. There's a lot of discussion about the, the fact that either league could maybe benefit from this individual. He's actually been on the north side of the city before. I don't know, man. Is, is all the water under the bridge? I mean, a, a Kyle Schwarber, maybe even Anthony Rizzo. Like, the return of some of those guys. When you mention lefty power, Schwarber pops into my head, and it just leads me down the road of, is there a chance? You know, Bryant's out there. Rizzo's out there. Schwarber's out there. Any of these guys ever going to be in a Cubs uniform again? Uh, you know, you say the water's
5: under the bridge, but I don't know if there's a bridge left uh for some of these guys um Schwarber in particular because it, and, and i you know i i just think with that one you know there's a, there's an understanding with those guys who were around and who were traded uh that once it got past a certain point you know they they'd kind of crossed the rubicon so to speak to where they're saying hey, we're we're not going to be able to get a contract done with you an extension done we're going to have to trade you because if if nothing else, we got to get some value. So you know, I'm not saying I I like that strategy. I know a lot of people were really upset about it, obviously, but with Schwarber, they just said, you know, we don't really think you're worth ten million dollars or whatever it was for the year, you know. And then they were able to they went out and got Jock Peterson. We saw but it's that kind a, of it's worked a out.
4: different sport now, though, Evan, with the universal yeah. DH.
5: It it is, but uh, you know, it, I I think if I am Kyle Schwarber. I'm looking at it and saying, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm not going to help you out anymore because I can get just as much money or more somewhere else, and I can go ahead and from afar show you the mistake that you made because I want to prove it. And and, I, and, and Schwarber is uh, is the kind of guy who I think I think he plays really well with a chip on his shoulder. Whether that's, I mean, look at Michael Jordan. Jordan would come up with reasons to hate hmm. somebody else just so he could go out and drop 40 on him. I'm not saying Schwarber is Michael Jordan. But I do think he benefits from kind of having that fire in his belly, and I think that works out better for him. He, he's got plenty of suitors, although, again, you can't come up with a better fit. I mean, he would be a perfect fit, uh, you know, because, again, like you said, lefty, he's got all the thunder, he can play the outfield when need be, but the DH would be perfect for him to be able to kind of sub in and out. So uh, as good a fit as it would be, I just I don't think it happens.
4: Yeah, this rule changes comes a few seasons too late for any more four bombs coming from the Cubs. You're probably right there. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit of health where, you know, you got certain players like, well, and even most recently here, Albert Alzali, who apparently is going to be on the shelf for a couple of months here. Did this catch folks off guard? Yeah. A, a, I mean, to the
5: extent that that we never really knew anything, and, and this is part of what you deal with, right? When you have this this lockout, there's no communication uh, between the teams, there's nobody really reporting on much of this stuff. And so you hear about uh, a few of these injuries and things coming in, and this is we we see across the sport right now. Um, but with Alvalli in particular, he's had issues staying healthy, right? They they said that this, this issue with his lat kind of on the upper portion there of his right shoulder, it's the same issue he experienced or a similar issue to what he experienced in 2018 when he was limited to eight minor league starts and, and didn't even manage 40 innings. So that's really troublesome when you hear him say he's not going to be able to resume baseball activities for another month. Now you're talking about opening day, and then it's going to take time to ramp up. You know, what happens there? Can he can he get back to full strength? Is that even a reasonable timeline? Does it stretch? And, and so, you know, and they really had treated him with kid gloves, but you just kind of wonder at this point, does that relegate him to more of a bullpen role moving forward. So um, there's a lot of concern there because the rotation is thin as it is, and they didn't do a whole lot to address bringing in a harder, you know, Marcus Stroman, uh, excellent pitcher, great addition, but not the kind of high velocity pitcher that they've lacked for this long. And and Alvalli can be that guy. Although again, I look at him uh, when he came back, you know, he had some injuries last season, he came back, he pitched out of the bullpen the last eight appearances fastballs up to about 95 versus 93 or so when he was a starter so again he's a guy whose stuff plays up they got a lot of young guys working their way through but they're in a little bit of a limbo with that and so that that injury especially then you add Cody Hoyer you know he was a came over from the White Sox right supposed to hold down a late inning bullpen roll Tommy John surgery so now you have got two of your kind of young pitchers really expected to, to be integral uh, that is difficult to replace right so uh, they're 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 going to be out there. The Cubs have shown they can build a bullpen from uh, from <laughs> kind of sticks and duct tape. So maybe maybe that keeps coming. <laughs> we'll see.
4: Oh, and uh, Ian Happ was on with uh, with Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahimi earlier this morning, talking a little bit about his health status. Uh, what what's the latest, to your understanding, on, on Ian Happ and, and whether or not you know this is one of those things where we're coming out of the lockout and it feels like. There's a few nicks, bumps, bruises, full-on injuries that are catching folks off guard.
5: Yeah, and it sounds like you know again a little bit of a cleanup. So nothing, um, you know, nothing really structurally that you know we're not talking about an elbow reconstruction or anything like that. But but it sounds like one of those where again he's he's going to have to take it easy coming in. I know the expectation is that he'll be ready for opening day, Um, but you know there there again it's it's one of those things where it's really difficult, and I think. One thing that is really troublesome—not troublesome, uh, troublesome necessarily—but when you when you kind of rush back into these things, right? These guys are all. This isn't the the spring training of old where everybody's out, you know, picking up a two pack a day habit and gaining thirty pounds in the off season. They got to come in and and just beat themselves into shape. These guys have all stayed in perfect shape throughout the season. The problem is though, you it's it's so difficult, if not impossible, to replicate game speed. Um, you know, in, in any sport. I'm sure you're quite familiar with that as well, right? The Practice can't replicate what is going on when you're 110% out there. And so you always worry about that, especially when it's an elbow or a shoulder and things can feel great when you're working out and everything's fine. But then you get into a situation where you just, you know, the adrenaline's going and you're forced to move a different way. And then, ooh, boy, it doesn't feel quite as good as I thought. So again, that's, that's troublesome. We just talked about, not having much depth, but uh, you know, it seems like one of those things that'll be easy. So I guess I don't want to put unnecessary fears in anybody's mind. I think Happ will be good to go, but the the long layoff with the uh, not getting into spring early uh, that does make things a little bit difficult if he's if he's forced to miss most of the spring.
4: And uh, last thing before I let you run, I gotta say it feels like it was just uh, I don't know, it feels like only yesterday when Wilson Contreras was a. Uh, just a a gleam in in his manager's eye. He was just this young stud coming up out of the minors, and now he's one of the elder statesmen on the squad, and he's trying to figure out, the Cubs are trying to figure out whether or not there's a long-term future that really awaits him with the ball club. And, you know, he's been – he's taking that pounding that the body takes when you're a catcher at the major league level. How do you think things kind of continue here with the Cubs and Contreras.
5: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It feels a little bit like both sides are, are sort of – they're certainly well aware of it. You know, he's spoken about it. Um, you know, whether they move forward with an extension or, or do with him what they did with the uh, the other cornerstone pieces and, and move on with the trade, I think depends on how things break over these next few weeks. You know, if they're able to add a couple of legitimate pieces that really help uh, bring them into competition – more immediately here over the next year or two uh, that, that they could see hey, having him around is really going to help bolster that Uh, particularly, you know, again, um, we talked about it with the DH, right? And I think that's a role that he's going to fill every once in a while. They went out and they paid Yon Gomes uh, the, believe it or not, the contract they gave Yon Gomes is the largest they've handed out to a position player since Jason Hayward. Um, It's, it's every time I say that, it sounds incredible, but it's true. Uh, And, and you don't do that. He's probably not a guy that you necessarily want behind the plate every day, but that's the kind of person who can sit in there and be a really capable backup and allow Contreras to flex to the DH. So you're not losing his bat, which is the most important thing he really brings to the game as a catcher. So, I mean, that's having the DH there, I think changes the calculus a little bit for them because you don't really worry about the the legs or maybe the athleticism being uh, eroded over time a little bit more. So, I think they make a couple more moves. That's the next one, and that's they've typically gone a little bit later. We saw the extension with Kyle Hendricks announced right before the regular season. I think if something's going to happen, it'll come together fairly quickly before the uh, before the regular season starts. But uh, it'll depend on what happens in the next week or two elsewhere.
4: You mentioned Kyle Hendricks. Looking forward to him taking the mound as the Cubs get ready to get this Cactus League thing going on Friday, man. Uh, So make sure everybody out there check out Real Cubs Insider on Twitter, the Cubs Insider. That is Evan D. Or D. Evan Altman. Evan Altman, our guest here on the score. Really appreciate your time, man. Great stuff.
5: Hey, thanks, Ant. Take it easy.
4: All right, that is Evan Altman of Cubs Insider. When we return, we were talking a little bit about Ian Happ, and I told you that he was on with Bernstein and Rahimi earlier today. We'll run some of that sound back for you next. You can hear him talk about his injury. You can hear him talk about the labor strife between the players and the owners. First time, first of many appearances Ian Happ will be making for this coming baseball season on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
5: Ian Happ had he had surgery on his elbow in February. This is a
6: kind of a clean up loose body type thing in his elbow. He feels really good. He's hitting. I think it doesn't bother him hitting at all. Throwing looks good. He's very confident he'll be ready by opening day.
5: But certainly that he, he may be not in the field quite as much as usual right at the beginning.
4: The voice of Jed Hoyer. Talking about Ian Happ, one of the Cubs sluggers. Coming off the news that he had to have his elbow cleaned up. We'll see what that ends up equating to. How, what that ends up equaling for Ian Happ moving forward here. And I do want to let you know, as folks have been uh, watching the first four out there, perhaps listening to it on certain platforms, I appreciate you listening to me throughout the evening here. But the first four, the initial contest of the first four is now over. Texas A&M Corpus Christi goes down against Texas Southern. Uh, That battle taking place in the Lone Star State. So that means Texas Southern moves on. They are the first team to advance in the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. And their prize for winning this game, this play-in game, this first-floor game, they get to face the Cats Jayhawks. So they're a 16-seed from the SWAC. They're going to face the number one-seeded. Kansas Jayhawks in the Midwest region. So that waits that awaits Texas Southern. Well, let's go out to the phone line and uh, and make sure that we get uh, one of these callers in here because he's been on hold for quite some time. And we do appreciate the patience of Derek in Evanston. We've been talking about a variety of topics throughout the evening here, and Derek has, uh, has one that we haven't discussed in a couple of minutes, but he's been on hold uh, waiting to discuss this. Derek, you got Anthony Heron on the score. What's up? How's it going? Not too bad, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, appreciate you holding uh, on. What you got on your mind?
2: Thank you. I was just uh, I was calling because um, I saw multiple stories today about uh, Los Angeles Rams uh, all decade punter Johnny Hecker being released. Yeah, and so I was just going to ask you, how realistic is it that the Bears might pursue him?
4: So. I don't I don't find it to be that realistic. And I'll say this, because, of, and I appreciate the call, Derek, I think because of where the Bears roster is at right now, there's a lot of holes to be filled. And right now, Ryan Pohl seems to be in the place of of attempting to, to alleviate cap pressure. And he's, you know, you move on from Khalil Mack and the, the spaces that's going to make for next season. Obviously, some of the other Bears heavy hitters like Eddie Goldman, they moved on from as well. Uh, so at the moment, it does seem that some cap space is being created. Johnny Hecker, uh, from everything I understand about the situation, the main reason that the Rams are moving on from him is because he is good, but he is expensive uh, for a punter. So, yes, he he may be certainly one of the biggest legs in the NFL, uh, viewed by some as the best punter in football, certainly from a sheer power perspective. But if the Bears aren't going to re-sign Pat O'Donnell, it's not because they're going to go out and get – and even more expensive punter to have here in Chicago. So I would imagine that you know moving on from O'Donnell's not because he's not a good punter. Pat O'Donnell's gonna be punting for somebody in the NFL. He may punt for the defending Super Bowl champs. There's that that cost benefit analysis of of how much are you willing to pay a punter? What's the cost benefit analysis of that? How much of your cap are you willing for that position to take up? So my uh, my impression. This is just a guesstimate. This is not sourced by anyone, but. Derek asked my opinion. My guess is moving on from Pat O'Donnell means that the Bears aren't looking to go out and get an expensive punter. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how that part plays out. But yeah, Hecker's going to be punting for someone uh, this coming season. I, I doubt it'll be here in Chicago, though. I did promise some Ian Hap sound from earlier today. He was on with Bernstein and Raheem this morning, and he'll be on with them very frequently, as he has been for years at this point few different things that they were able to cover a wide ranging conversation that Dan and Layla had with Ian Happ, as is usually the case. Uh, one of the things that they got to with him was one of the things I addressed with Evan Altman just a, a moment ago, specific to the injury, the, the surgical procedure that was there with Ian Happ. And one of the things they asked him about was just exactly having him explain what this exact procedure was that was repairing his elbow. Ian, how are you? Man, what's with the secret surgery? <laughs>
2: I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I uh, underwent a little procedure to clear up some bone spurs in the elbow and um, on the men's, on the way back, feeling good and just kind of ease it back into getting everything ready to play baseball.
0: How did you know you needed it, though? Like, Did, did something happen where you just said, I, I got to do this? Or did you know you might need this?
2: Uh, you know, it's one of those things that has kind of been ongoing and there was some little bit of forearm elbow tightness and I had kind of rested always kinda of helped bring it back and then kinda of getting ready for the ramp up to the season this year, could tell that it was probably a little bit more than something that I was should play through. And so went and had some imaging done and saw what was going on in there and a relatively quick recovery with, with not too much That went into it. So it made a lot of sense to get it done and and be full go for the season.
0: How much do you think that soreness or tightness, as you put it, affected you last season?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, there was definitely points that it did, you know, whenever you take swings lefty and, and, you know, get into extension and something's grabbing on you, it's not not what you want. But um, I was able to play through it and and still, you know, feel like I was able to impact baseball games. So just, just to have it cleaned up and feel like I'm 100% 100% going into this year is going to be a nice
4: change. That's the thing, because Ian Happ, you know, came up being viewed as this powerful, high-impact switch hitter, power from both sides of the plate, center fielder, good athlete. And You know, he was one of many prospects with a lot of promise, and the Cubs were trying to figure out early in his career where exactly does he fit in within this lineup, all these boppers that we got out here and, you know, I remember a few seasons back, the very first game that Ian Happ came out there as a leadoff hitter and drove it well out of the ballpark. And the ballpark came alive. Everybody was all excited and happy for him. And then things went downhill from that moment. And they, they kind of, you know, pretty frequently have been downhill since then for Ian Happ. And that's one of those things where we were talking about it earlier in the show there there's promise when when prospects are on their way up and potential and those at times can be dangerous words in evaluation but hopefully Ian Happ will will end up getting healthy very quickly here and still continue to of course have the opportunity for uh you know for his full potential to be met but he's also the player rep for the cubs so he's very deeply involved in the negotiations that took place between the players and ownership around Major League Baseball. And one of the things that he addressed with Dan and Layla was specific to what gains were made by the players in those CBA negotiations.
2: I think in any negotiation you're not going to get everything you want. So that's kind of the, the name of the game. On either side it's going to be completely happy at the end of a deal. But you know, I think there's major gains in here for players. I think that Especially zero to three guys are really going to benefit from this deal, which is just kind of a reflection of where the game is right now, the way the teams are valuing players, and the way the guys deserve to be compensated for the value that are bringing to the team. I think there's some really good things in there, and and you know obviously being able to get those gains was an important part of what we set out to do coming into this negotiation.
4: And uh, one of the more interesting things to to come out of the negotiation was the fact that it ended up getting approved. Even though the the union's executive board voted eight to zero against the last uh, proposal that came from owners, but then the teams, the the player reps, voted twenty six to four in favor of it, and uh, that was one thing that Dan and Layla asked Ian Hap about was specific to the the fact that you know you had player reps approving the CBA after the executive committee rejected it.
2: I think that that's one of the the beauties of our union is being able to have. Really open dialogue, you know, really, really robust conversations about the way that we were all viewing this deal. And so to be able to maybe have disagreements along the way, but come to a decision and still be a really united front, I think that's important for us. And that's always something that we strive for as the Players Union.
4: And uh, One of the hopes that, that people had in the midst of this negotiation and, and with some of the terms where the CBT ends up getting raised and in service time service time won't be as much of a concern with some of the machinations in there. The expanded playoff that perhaps teams wouldn't be as apt to to tank. They wouldn't be as apt to try and conserve capital and save money and, you know. Who knows? Uh, the, the Cubs seem to be, we were discussing uh, throughout this hour, the the limbo that the Cubs kind of find themselves in, where you're willing to go out and pay for and sign a Marcus Stroman, and you know, you're know you in the running for Suzuki and Correa. But at the same time, there certainly doesn't seem to be an all-in approach to trying to, to win right away. Cubs perhaps in a similar situation where the Bears are even in right now where the Bears go out and sign Larry Okunjobi. They're willing to pay. You got to put bodies on the field. You need some individuals out there who can play and preferably play at a high level. But while you're not in full-on rebuild, it doesn't necessarily seem like there's this full steam ahead approach to trying to win. So whether or not teams are, are going to, to actually be in, in tank mode, that's a part of the concern that's there. It's one of the things that uh, Bernstein and Rahimi asked Ian, Hank- Ian Happ about.
2: There's always going to be some natural cycles with teams. I think a lot of what we aimed to do with the draft was to curb some of that, and we won't be able to see the results for a couple of years. But I think that our hope was that with this lottery and with teams only getting a year or two based on their market size to kind of pick in those those top ten picks or be in that you know, that top six lottery, that it would help to kind of disincentivize the losing and, and the losing at the uh, you know, 95 to 100 game level and to be more. Here's a year or two to reset, get a couple draft picks, and then you better go and win if you want to be rewarded.
4: Easy to like Ian Happ, easy to root for Ian Happ. You want the productivity to be there for a player who is seemingly as talented as he is for you know not just the center field position but a variety of positions on the field. But certainly in the batter's box is where guys are going to end up getting paid, where they're going to make their big money he's entering that arbitration phase of his career so he's got this year he's got another year of arbitration that'll be available after this then we'll see where things go you know right now Wilson Contreras is, is the last you know really key member of that championship picture that that remains on the roster well I shouldn't say it remains on the roster that from the lineup you know of course Kyle Hendricks still here as well and Jason Hayward but you know as far as you know someone who would still be you know who's his 20s viewed as a potential rising prospect who can end up meaning something to another squad that's not where Ian Happ has been able to grow to at this stage in his career but I think a lot of folks anticipate that that potential is still there and if it was the the elbow soreness that kind of affected his his power last season affected his effectiveness throughout the season then hopefully getting that elbow cleaned up and getting that straightened out would be a, a big part of what, what Ian Hap can put himself in a position to really realize that full potential. But if nothing else, when he's on with Dan and Layla at all times, he he is a you know, charismatic might be an, an overstatement, but certainly an engaging guy to talk to and is willing to address a variety of, of issues and situations that other uh, folks are curious about. So it's a it's a fun interview and a fun time when Ian Hap's on with them. One of the newer members of the the Chicago athletic sector here in the city is Joe Kelly, new relief pitcher for the White Sox. He was on with Parkinson Spiegel earlier in the afternoon. Let me take a timeout, come back, and in my final segment of the show, I want to let you hear. This was uh, – if you didn't get to hear it and uh, you haven't downloaded it on the Odyssey app yet, stick around. We're, we're going to take a timeout, come back. You will not want to miss how Joe Kelly went through things with Danny and Matt because it was something to hear. We'll do that next on The Score.
0: Was it a ner- nerve issue? Is
4: that what
6: they? Yeah, it was it was, it was a nerve yeah. issue, but you know, it's one of those things that you kind of just, once you're good, you're good. It's not like you could do much for it. You just let a hill and, you know, I've been throwing since beginning of February, right before February. So, um, the throwing is, is, is not the issue. It's just not doing anything crazy again. So, um, uh, I'm definitely excited. I, I you know, I want to be throwing as much as I can and, and being ready to face, you know, Eloy, and you know Jose, and all those guys. But uh, my, my time will come. And you know, like I said, I'm super sad
4: to be here. You're gonna get more and more accustomed to that voice, the voice of Joe Kelly, talking to the media about his nerve issue in his arm that uh, negated his ability to complete last postseason, and it will also negate his ability to break camp as a member of the Sox active roster but you heard there Joe Kelly sounds rather unconcerned rather unfazed by it with whatever whatever this nerve damage is in his throwing arm he claims he's out there throwing gas though so you know, all the uh, the confidence that he has about his ability to take them out and being fine it would stand to reason that the Sox have done all the necessary due diligence to feel good about where Joe Kelly is at physically. When you have a player who has an, an injury that cuts off their you know, the close of their, their previous season, then obviously when you're going to invest that level of finances into him, then you're doing your homework. So I, I would imagine the Sox feel good about where he's at, uh, not just publicly, but privately as well. Because if you didn't, then you made a huge mistake signing the guy. But it's a nerve. They can be finicky, they can be tricky, just like joints. Uh, we've talked a lot. I've told you some of my stories, my travails with my knees that remind me some of what Zach Levine's going through right now. We'll see. Hopefully Joe Kelly won't just be kind of the, the latest Chicago athlete in, in dealing with some things that, you know, physically the ailment that's there um, that w- won't continue to, to be a problem for him once he's actually able to take the mound for the Southsiders. But his first interview on Chicago radio was today on Parkinson Spiegel. And uh, and Stu i 'm going to ask you to crack the mic here because it was it was uh i 'm not completely clear on some of the radio guidelines that were violated there <laughs> you and, and those who sit in the control room, you have access to dump buttons and yes. so just in case whether it 's a host or a guest people get uh, get foul mouthed at times here on these radio airwaves and terrestrial radio. Then you got to have the controls of those things. Joe Kelly was apparently known as a guy with a with a bit of a, a colorful tongue, and uh, Parkinson Spiegel have have had some colorful tongues on their show at times over the years here, where folks have lit things up and the dump button has been necessary. <laughs> so, h- how did this play out with Joe Kelly today?
0: Okay, so basically, just to peel back the curtain a little bit on how this this mythical dump button dump button works. <laughs> I have the ability to hit it once, and I can erase the last seven seconds of air. I can hit it again; it'll erase the last seven seconds. If I that's if I do it immediately twice in a row, so I have the ability, okay. right? And the thing is, after you use it once, or especially have to use it twice, it has to ramp back up. So you can't just keep uh, using it over and over. Huh. So Joe Kelly comes on, and within. The first two minutes, he drops uh, the S word. (laughs) And then about five minutes later, he drops two more within about 30 seconds of each other. And we got them both out. We were able to get them both out. But yeah. And so they had to actually tell him to please stop <laughs> just, because at that point we're out. We like, we don't have any more. So you drop right. one. It's going.
4: <laughs> it seems like kind of a flawed mechanism. Well, uh, I it's, don't know it's, <laughs> it's yeah, well, the, the, it, this,
0: the one we have here is actually one of the better ones that I've had in my yeah. radio time because other places I've been, you only really have the the time to dump it once. And it's, it's just like the mechanics of it. I don't know the mechanics of it. I don't like, but basically what, me and you talking right now, uh-huh. You can we delay it going out over the air by 14 seconds. Right. So me and you talking right now, the listeners listening live won't hear it for 14 seconds. We're always... So that's how it works. Magic secret of radio. I don't know if that's a big secret or not. <laughs> so it that's why. that's like- why when we dump once we're now 7 seconds behind regular air when we do it twice we're just straight live so we literally don't have the ability so unless we uh, were unless we were delayed by minutes at a time which is not something we really necessarily want to do mm-hmm. that's why you can only do so much of it
4: very interesting. I yeah. guess in my in my layman's brain, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, everybody's used Zoom and FaceTime these days. These are things you can mute just with the stroke of a key. How come yes. you can't just dump at the stroke of a key? Why yeah, is there a limit on this thing?
0: It's a little different on live radio. Yeah. Because it's literally so, like a time element. You know, there's only so much we have the ability. To
4: kind of power pellet and Sonic the Hedgehog or something like that. You just run out of these things or limits? Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't have anticipated that.
0: There is actual reason for it. But I I do want to make sure we we do play some of this Mm -hmm.
4: in. Yeah, let's get some of that in. What do you got for us?
0: Okay, so this first one, uh, they they asked him about some of the personalities on the team, right? And so they, they got him to talk about baseball itself needing a little more technology And I I can't remember for sure if this is one where he swears, but I did edit all of that out. So we'll (laughs) we'll find out if you hear a beat. Let's find out.
6: Baseball hasn't been like that. And I think it's actually changing, you know, year in and year out uh, with the young guys, you know, trying to to let loose a little bit. Um, But all the other sports do it, and and, and baseball is kind of last to catch on. Um, It's good for the sport of baseball. You make a silly face, and – and stuff like that i don't have social media but stuff like that trends all over the internet and 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 what do you know it's on mlV.com and it's, <laughs> it's more views for them so i don't see why they kind of condone that behavior and then i get punished you know for x amount of games uh you would think they'd like it
4: i gotta say i'm disappointed he didn't curse oh well, here i'm really I looking know, forward to, to joe kelly needing to be dumped
0: I, I couldn't remember for sure if it was that one or the one before where he did so we'll you know what he does for sure in this next one. So this is when All they're right, talking give some about foul mouth Kelly. Yeah, this is this is him talking about Larusa and him kind of liking the mentality that Larusa brings, and and you'll you'll see you'll see this is good. All right. Well,
6: um, you know it's nowadays in the game of baseball. You know I've been suspended multiple times, obviously. Uh, you know if something deserves to be policed inside the game without uh, you know grown ups besides baseball players that are. You know, baseball players are the one playing the game and we kinda of play the game our own way and, and it's kind of it's kind of been a lost art. Um and, and, and me and Tony still believe in the same ideas and, and you know, you act like a head and you don't think anything's gonna come of that, then you guys are not living on planet Earth. You know, this is the real world and and the, uh, you know, every action has a consequence and, and, and that's kind of how I think
4: announcing that Chicago presence with authority, letting the folks know how you feel and how you're going to fit into this clubhouse. Joe Kelly certainly seems like a fun cat. Cannot wait to watch him take the mound for the White Sox. Can't wait till the next time I'm going to be here for you, with you on these airwaves. My thanks to my guests tonight, Jason Goff, John Crispin, Evan Altman. We covered everything under the sun. The Indiana Hoosiers are on the court right now on True TV, facing Wyoming and the other play-in game, first four, whatever you want to call it. So, for you Big Ten fans, you Hoosier fans out there watching Trace Jackson Davis trying to dunk on folks, go ahead and flip over to the television side. Uh, But thank you to everyone who has listened in. Thank you to Adam Studzinski on the ones and twos. Appreciations and salutations to all. What we got? Bet GM on the way next, studs This has been Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.